not as much as I love the sound of my own voice. Uh, I thought it was good worship this morning. Why don't you turn around and just say hello to somebody just so we don't keep ourselves being too serious all the time, you know, because you, you can't last too long around here without taking yourself too serious. So You're all specially welcome this morning. Yeah, worship was... Worship was good. It's good to continue to, I think when you pull out the, the Christmas songs like that, one, because we all sort of know them, but I think it just brings something into the room, doesn't it? But, you know, Zoe mentioned there about Walk Through Bethlehem, which, you know, is gearing up, and she says, I felt like, you know, two weeks ago was only when we announced it. I feel like it was only two weeks ago we actually did last year's. So I'm like, how is that? I don't know. You know when you just go, right, you're just surfing along in life, and God, you do you do what you want to do. So um, it's really it's really exciting. It's really um, I think it's a fantastic opportunity to, to really impact our town, to really keep building and, and not only get favour um, with the people in our community, but also just to contextualise the message that we are looking at as the gift of actually what this season's about because it's important that we don't just not only come with a counterproductive or counterculture message, but also a message that we use what is culturally relevant to teach our community, what is biblically timeless. You know, what I love about, uh, I think I've maybe shared this before, but I remember when I was in Bible college, my Old Testament tutor, I found out that he had come to walk through Bethlehem, the, I think it was maybe 2018 or 2019, whenever we did it. And uh, he was talking about, we were talking about the Christmas story and different things. And he says, you know, I went to this church in Down Patrick and I'm in the room. Pretty sure I thought I shared this before. Um, and he says, I went to this church in Down Patrick and they did, you know, the, the nativity and all this different thing and they had elves leading people around and, you know, they had Santa Claus and it's like, obviously that's not, you know, the the message of Christmas and he went through obviously talking about theologically the, the whole Christmas story and how tradition adds to the story in, in a lot of ways that, you know, is, is necessarily what what actually happened and in that moment they could have been really cruel and says, yeah, that's the church I go to and I'm helping organise that, but it didn't. Um, but really what was interesting from it, as, as I was thinking, I'm not holding any grudges at all, um, but as I was thinking about it, we have to contextualize and we use elves to lead people around. Elves are usually telling the story of the North Pole or beginning to lead people through the greatest story ever told. You know, we have Santa Claus over in the corner um, who, yeah, I know some people are looking at, you know, we've got, um, yeah, we always Santa Dodge every year. Um, we have Santa Claus who usually gives out presents, knows their greatest gift of all. And what we do is we use these tools to actually contextualize. And I really believe we have such a, you know, God always says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Oftentimes we think the, work, the workmanship we have to do is to go stand on a bench out there and just say, you know, repent from your sins and, and so on and so on. Yes, the message may be clear, but the modality in which we do it has to change. And I really am excited for this year that the messages are coming through. Obviously, we know the, the event's sold out, so if you haven't got a job, we will find you and we will give you a job. Um, but I think we have such a... We, please pray over this next week. Let's not just go through, this is another walk through Bethlehem. Let's worry about the manic and the chaos or whatever it may be. But let's, let's have a perspective shift to go, God, you want to you wanna, you wanna redirect people's lives. You want to interject into their, their hearts and their minds. That is, we are using funny methods and, and bringing the immersive experience of life that the Holy Spirit would come upon it. And he would just all of a sudden open eyes and ears. 
that no matter if we stand up here and we preach a message, but what they go through as an interactive experience would be a message that, you know, they wake up to. So I just encourage you to, to, to pray like you've never prayed before for this, this coming week. I think it's important. Over a thousand people have signed up to do that, which is, um, which is incredible. So um, anyways, enough of that. If you've been around the past couple of, um, the past month or so, we've been looking at God has a name. And, and this uh, coming month over the Christmas period, we're looking at the gift and anybody know what that we often ask the kids this when they're going through the interactive experience? Anybody know the three gifts? Gold, frankincense, and a mirror? No? A mirror, right. Um, I've been waiting for that joke since last year. Um, and what we want to do is we want to look through looking at the gift. We know the gift of this season. The reason for this season is Jesus, of course. And we want to look through over the next couple of weeks, um, we'll look through the symbolisms of those gifts, but also... Um, for particularly for today, I actually want to look at um, the story of the three wise men. I felt like the Lord just just had shared a couple of things through that. And if Karina, you put up the first slide, we often look in this season is the magic of Christmas, right? You know, anybody love trying to, you know, this time of year, we just love what people talk about the spirit or the magic of Christmas. But I, want, I wonder if you, and keep that up if you can, Karina, is I ever wonder if you've, anyone here has ever been the recipient of a really good gift. Now, I'm not talking about the gift that, you know, is in the stockings fillers. I actually got, this is so good, so prophetic. I actually, um, where did she go? She's in kids. Uh, what's your daughter's name? Ellie. Ellie Mae, plug for Ellie Mae, made this. Hannah got one as well. Isn't that credible? Um, yeah, I think that's good. So um, that's going on my, but I'm not talking about the type of gifts, not the, you know, upplay this, but also, I'm not talking about the gifts that usually fill your stocking, you know, your stocking fillers, the ones that, the kind of presents that you just leave. They're in, you know, the bag in your wardrobe from last year that, you know, just, they're just in the cupboard. I'm not talking about those types of gifts. I'm talking about a gift that made you feel loved, a gift that made you feel known, something that when somebody got it for you, you were like, oh, you know me. It's not, you know, there was something about the, you know, what, what was your like and your desire that they got, that, like, you just know me. Maybe it wasn't something that you, you realize you need it, but actually now in life you realize you can't do life without it. See, this time of year, everyone is trying to recreate and capture the magic of Christmas. Every Christmas movie, every toy advert is trying to recreate the sense, this feeling, this, um, yeah, they're trying to sell the magic of Christmas, the twinkling lights, the soft falling snow, the warm fire, and we all love it, right? We all love the coziness because it's cold outside. We love the atmosphere. But as I was looking, it's estimated that this Christmas season to the UK economy is worth 20 billion pounds, right? That over this Christmas season, UK shoppers, not only in the high streets, but you know, across the, from producing of, of songs and all sorts of things this year will be 20 billion pounds. You know those cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies that started like on September 1st? right, that they on average, now they're really, really basic, on average of two million pound production and every year they produce about 40 new each year, so I'll let you do, do the math. In other words, we spend a lot of money, a lot of money trying to recreate the magic of Christmas. Now, like I said, you and I know, and I'm using magic intentionally, that the magic is in the message and his name is Jesus. He's the true gift and the real reason for the season, right? But how often, as I was thinking about this, how often do we as a church, we as believers who've gone through, I mean, more, 
there's people in this room who, more than others who went through Christmas messages over and over and over. You've heard the same stories, you've heard, you've sang the, the same carols over and over, but how often do we become so familiar with hearing a story every Christmas that we stop relying on the power that it has in our lives, that we, we lose a sense of awe and wonder of their message. You see, familiarity breeds that. And as I was preparing, I really felt that the Lord said this year, you know, I want us as a community, and it really felt like it was happening in worship, but us as a community, we have to encounter, he wants us to encounter the true power of Christmas in a fresh way this year. That if you're willing to let him, he wants to give you fresh insight and fresh revelation. That, not talking about the magic of Christmas, I feel like one of the ways that we'll look at this morning is, Queen, if you put the next one up, it's the Magi of Christmas, the story of the Magi. I really believe that God wants to give us some keys this morning. Okay, we'll look at it in, in a different context. But if you've got your Bibles, Matthew 2, 1 to 12 is where we're gonna, um, we're gonna open and we're gonna look at it. It'll come up on the screen, okay? I'll read it and it'll be in the NIV, okay? And I just wanna pick out a couple of things that I really feel like the Lord wants to speak to us this morning, okay? Matthew 2, it says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them saying, where the Christ was to be born? So they said to him, in Bethlehem, Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what it was written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you find him, bring him back to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, yeah, when the wise men heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with his Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely, divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to her, they departed for their own country another way. And like I said, sometimes this season, we, we just get caught up with the familiarity, we get caught up with the emotions, the, the, going through the emotions. And I really think the Lord, the Lord was talking about how those who recapture those who understand the true spirit of Christmas, the true magic of Christmas, they're open to a divine interjection. I want you to say, I'm open to be divinely interjected this morning. You all sort of resisted a wee bit, right? <laughs> because you know that when you say it out loud, the Lord's, right? We have to be open to a divine interjection. First of all, we have to ask, who are the Magi, Okay. I call them not-so-wise men. If you're here and you're dressing up as a, as a wise man, it's, you know, there'd be quite irony in it. But in our stories, we often think 
One, there was three, but actually, and that's what tradition tells us, but oftentimes scholars can talk about being as much as 12 to 15. Sorry to burst your bubble in your nativity scene, right? We can often think they were Christian or they were, they were, um, they, they were devout believers in that they set out to see Jesus as their saviour. And this isn't necessarily true, okay? I'll tell you why. The Magi were actually known as pagan astrologers who studied the stars for signs that would help them know where they were going in life. It was an activity, astrology, you know, studying the stars and the cosmos was an activity that became popular in Greco-Roman culture, which was the movement away from biblical prophecy as we've known about in the Old Testament to seeking stars for a prosperous future. Now, the, the pers- although wrong, the pursuit is wrong in nature, it was at its heart is a pursuit that we all share at heart. You see, the heart of wanting to know where we're all going is simply the heart to know or feel like we're in control. The heart to know if we will prosper is to know whether we'll be at peace in life, right? So at its heart, although the focus is distorted and perverted, at its heart we see um, a shared common um, heart of humanity. But little did these magi know that when they were in the middle of the pursuit of filling this void, that God would send a messenger to interject their journey. You see, these magi, they were reorientated from following a star to meeting the one true sign there would be a baby lying in a manger. And like the Magi, we often, at times in our life, like to try and take control of our own destiny on our own strength. Yet how many of us know that God has a habit of interjecting our story? You see, the problem with trying to build a future in our own strength and our own understanding is that when it doesn't seem to be going or getting the traction that we hope for, we start settling for a life less than what Jesus paid for. Let me say that again. The problem with trying to build a future on our own strength and our own understanding is that when it doesn't, when our plans don't get the traction we first hoped for, we now and we then begin to settle for a life less than what Jesus paid for and what he came for. And what begins to come out of that is a sense of discouragement. Now maybe you're here this season, you're busy, you're like, you cannot wait to de- December 26th until the holiday is over and you're like, I get a break. Or maybe you have a lot of plans and life isn't going the way and you're, you're getting a bit discouraged. I believe that it's time that we open up ourselves to a fresh divine interjection in our lives, that we would get a fresh message that God is good, that he's in our midst and he still wants to move in power in your lives. How many of you know that? But I've discovered there's usually a big hurdle. You see, sometimes we feel like we're not good enough to receive fresh message. They prayed this morning that I would get fresh download when preaching. We often in this church, we talk about wanting to receive, you know, fresh insight and fresh, a fresh word from the Lord, that we would pursue the new thing. But what's interesting in this, in this account is Scripture had prohibited people from following stars. The Magi, they, they were doing something that Scripture had actually warned and prohibited beforehand in pursuit of their destiny. But what we see is that God chose to reveal himself to the Magi this way. You see, what God had prohibited and what God had warned against and that what a people group had then began to use, um, began to disobey God and, and pursue their destiny and pursue 
figuring out peace and life through um, that thing which he prohibited, the Lord in his mercy and his wisdom began to move through that very thing. Sometimes God needs to meet you where you're at in order to redirect your life. But what happens is when we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing, we begin to feel sinful, guilty, and ashamed. But God in his mercy interjects where we're at so that he can redirect. This morning, God wants to interject you so that he can redirect you, okay? And whether this season you've been feeling faithful to God in your walk or you've been fearful, whether you've been hopeful or helpless, we need to know that God is here, not judging us, but for us. Because you don't have to wait till you have everything together to go to God. In fact, what we're gonna see is the whole point is that he came to us. How many know you don't have to have your life sorted out in order to go to God? But who here honestly sometimes thinks that we have to be doing that, right? But what we are gonna see is the whole point, like I said, is that Jesus comes to our place. So those who know the true spirit of Christmas are those who are willing to be the humbled fool. Anybody here willing to be the humbled fool in the story? More people than I thought? Maybe this is a, a solid group of people. I need to give you more credit. Maybe I just preach through my own lens and I'm not willing to be that person. I never rejected it alone to you. I repent. You see, the thing in life that keeps us away from coming spiritually alive, and the word was given about we're not dead this morning, is that we have this belief that we're always right. Anybody here believe you're always right? Oh, you didn't put your hand up for that one. I like that, okay. Oh, somebody else, yeah. Oh, this is when, okay, I'm not going to the husband and wife thing right now, okay. That's for another, that's for another sermon, okay. Because when we, when we always believe we're always right, we never are open to the correction from God or others. But I've discovered that, and still discovering it, humility is the gateway into the grace and favor of God in our lives. That because when we're open to his redirection, we actually then could put on course to his preferred destination. See, the Magi, like I said, they went from following a star to receiving a savior. The one who was a baby was complete control of their lives. Isaiah 9, 6 says, the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Logically to these intellectual men, seeking Israel's next prophesied king, they discovered a baby in an outhouse. Wouldn't have been the first thing on their list. But it was by the sheer grace of the Holy Spirit that began to see the present incarnate as how it was meant to be seen. You see, we need to realize that in this story, these magi were looking to find the next Messiah was not a meek and mild baby, you know, to grow up and do the life that we now know, but actually it was to be the one that would deliver him from the oppression of the Romans and, and Greek influence. It was to be this mighty warrior, but actually what we begin to see is a completely different Jesus that we talked about in communion today was, you know, that his destiny was to endure the cross and endure it and, and go through it. So this journey of what we see with the Magi is they were actually starting off to fulfill their own status and their own accolades. Now like any explorer who's trying to discover a new land or, or land on a new planet, they were actually invited into a greater discovery that God has come in our midst. That this season, the truest gift is not how much we can get for ourselves, but how much Jesus wants to come 
and be with us where we're at. That he has stepped down from the circumstance, that he stepped down into the Magi circumstances that they found themselves in. The winds, the loss, we sang about it this morning, the mountains and the valleys, the graves and the gardens, the places where we have clarity of mind or confusion of mind. These Magi seeking a, a baby they thought would have might have been in a palace in pristine order. Instead, found him in a place that was messy and dirty. How many of you know God doesn't come into your life because you've everything in order? He comes into your mess and your dirt so that it may find order. This is the radical Christmas story. The hurdle is that we think we have to have it all together in order for God to move through us. And what happens in that discouragement is we often then lose our sense of wonder, our passion, and our flair. Because often we think life isn't supposed, it's supposed to look glamorous all the time. It's supposed to look Instagram worthy and, and perfect. That Facebook ready, it's supposed to look that way. Get my good side, that's what, that's what the culture we grow up in. And so like I said, we get discouraged and we give up because we start comparing and says, I'm not like everybody else. You know, this week, I just gave Hannah the nod that I'm using this story literally two seconds before I got up um, and she laughed. But this week we've been, uh, well, this past, past sort of month, we've been finally getting around to making our wedding photo album. You know, that whole like, you put the pictures in here and you go, that doesn't look like that one, that's not, you know, and you're trying to tell a story. And a long story short, when Black Friday came around and we realized it was like 50% up, we thought, right now we're doing it. Now is the time of the Lord we're doing it. So we eventually got it done and it arrived yesterday. In fact, Hannah had just left the house. The postman just came and I'm sitting here with the photo albums going. And I had a phone her and she says, no, you're not allowed to do it until I come back. So shared, shared experience, right? It actually turned out quite well. And we'll, we'll be Christmas gifts this year, which is great. But I remember, you know, again, when Hannah and I got married and we looked like, I mean, we looked like a million pound, right? You get dressed up, you get dolled up, we're, you know, a couple of the season, right? And, but oftentimes as we're, you know, I'm suited and booted, Hannah's looking lovely. I mean, I have to say in this church, all the men do marry up, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, see, I see some of the men nodding, yes, exactly, okay. It's just truth, okay. And I remember, you know, we, the wedding day was great, you know, fantastic. You know, it was obviously a, at the end of a COVID wedding, so we were glad to just get married. And uh, the next morning I woke up beside Hannah and I turn over and I go, and I see the makeup smudged, the hair's messy, the breath stinks. I'm not just talking about me, by the way. And now, not for one moment that I go, oh, where's the lady I married yesterday? You're messy, you're smelly, you're stinky. I don't, want, I don't no longer want to be married to you. I obviously didn't say that. I'm not that shallow, right? But oftentimes we think Jesus is like that with us. We oftentimes, Jesus knows that we're messy. He knows that we're smelly. He knows that our breath stinks and that we're not right all the time. And have I been flawed, insecure, weak, can be devoted to my wife? How, through the mess, how much more is Jesus devoted to you? In fact, he says, I've still come knowing all of that 
knowing you more than you know yourself, I've still come that you may have life and life it abundantly. I've still come to give you not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. That you do not have to walk this Christmas season on your own strength, but actually I've come knowing you in your messes. I want to come and empower you with my grace. We do not have the privilege to receive the gift because we are in order, but actually the gift is that he comes into our messes and our dirt and brings order. But as Christians, we often run into the, the hallmark, dolled up, wedding, glamour photographs that have to be seven days a week, you know, 365 days a year, and it's not reality. It's that God comes and steps into our reality. And I really feel like the Lord's been saying to some of us this morning, I feel like there's people in this room that the Lord wants to say, don't dwell in your discouragement, but trust in my faithfulness. You've been in a season of discouragement. You don't feel like you're growing in the way that you've hoped for. You don't feel like you're walking out the life that he's paid for. And I feel like the Lord's saying, because you're looking, you're discouraged because you're looking at your own ability. Instead, start looking to me that I can come with my supernatural ability and transform me from the inside out. Humility knows it's not about us, that it's all about him. The Proverbs 9, 10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In fact, what I love about the Christmas message is what 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. Are they not so wise men? God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. In fact, God chose the lowly things of this world to despise those things that are unseen. I believe that it's those who are willing to walk humbly by the Holy Spirit will be able to enter into fresh wisdom of the Lord. That if you want fresh wisdom, fresh insight, a fresh message this season, you got to get humble. That like the Magi, when we acknowledge that we don't know it all, and we're willing to move past our desire to be right, that we discover the radical grace of the King of Kings that was wrapped lying in a manger. Now we know he didn't stay there, obviously. You see, there's people in here that your faith has become lackluster at best that your life has become monotonous. And I feel like the Lord wants to interject us so that we can bring a fresh sense of faith and a fresh sense of excitement in your life. He wants to give you a card this morning that says, you are not dead. What's that song? God's not dead. He is alive. And where is he? Living on the inside. And this morning I really believe not only is it a card but it's, a, it's an encounter that the Lord wants to come upon people in this room so that you would know you're alive. That you've been going through the motions, you've become monotonous, you've heard the Christmas stories and you felt, hmm. But we have to be humble enough for the Lord to hit us between the eyes and say, no, here's fresh revelation. That you're alive. That even though the church calendar, there's only so much things we can repeat and so much new ways we can do things. That the Lord has not called the church to just go through the motions. He's called the church to come alive. And I really believe, you know, even with the new building, God shakes us from what we're comfortable to and leads us in the things we have to rely on him. So that he knows even then when you're on your toes, you're alive. And if you can't be on your toes, get on your knees. If you can't be on your knees, then wiggle on your belly. Whatever you gotta do, stay alive. See, those who live 
with the true spirit of Christmas. Third point is they learn to protect their sense of awe and wonder. I don't know if anybody here has ever watched a child discover something new. I mean, people here have had kids, grandkids, or have babysat kids, or been around kids in some capacity. It could be nursing a small child. You ever, anybody ever a baby where they just notice their hand? It's like they've discovered their right hand. And they're like, wow, and you just watch them, and they're like, I have two, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, and there's this sense of awe, right? You know what I mean? Or maybe it's a toddler that all of a sudden discovers the, the TV remote. And they're like, oh, and you're like, yes, TV remote. And they go, oh, and then what do they do? They shove it in their mouth. Mm, all right? You know, when you pick it up afterwards, you go, why is it all wet? Because your toddler's been discovering the TV remote. That's why. And you often go, well, why would you do this? It's because they have, a child has discovered something new and for the first time. And what they're doing is they're using all of their senses, particularly the toddler with the, with the tongue. They're using their senses to discover what's the use and the function for this in my life. Now, you may be here going, yes, but you don't use your tongue to discover what a TV remote does. Do you want to know how you know that? Because you once upon a time in your life used your tongue to discover that you don't have a remote. Okay? That's how we discover. We use all of our senses to learn its use and function. And you'll all know that, even particularly this season, that once a child gets an object, the, the greatest toy that you, you, know, you, you fought over somebody in the shopping line to get hold of, and you go, here's this, you know, I stayed up all night to get this or bought it online, whatever it may be, you have those memories where you're, you, know, yeah, you become sh- crazy shoppers at Christmas, I know, right? You know, gentle uh, at church, and then all of a sudden Monday shoppers, you know, Black Day, Friday icing, you know, we're all thankful on the Thursday, but then you know, we're filling up our stockings on the Friday, right? And, and what we do is we give a child this new toy and, and they, they look at it and go, oh, they're, they're, they're in awe of it for five minutes and then they toss it. It's like on the 26th of December, whether we like it or not, there's going to be a mountain of toys that kids are no longer going to look at. Why? Because once they've discovered it and they've learned it, they chuck it. And this is a, an innate uh, drive within us given by God because he wants us to continually seek and learn the new thing. That we're always growing, we're always building. That when we discovered something, we no longer have any use for it. It's why when a kid gets all of the toys and then all of a sudden they play with the box, like it's a box. Because kids' discovery doesn't have a value and a monetary value, but we do. You see, the issue for us as Christians is we think we've come to know all there is and discover about God and his kingdom. So we stop seeking fresh revelation. We've been through the stories and the motions of church and we go, I've discovered it all. I'm going to sit back and just let the next generation go. And what we do is, like I say, is we stop discovering. We stop seeking. And this is what Jesus meant when he says, have childlike faith. I don't know if you realize that. It's not running around sharing goo goo gaga. No, that's not what it's about. It's about having this, this awe and wonder to keep learning, to keep growing to discover new facets of God's nature and his kingdom. In fact, over, if some of you have been here over the past month, we've been looking at God has a name. And the focus passage was Exodus 34, 6. And again, just to remind you quickly, it was, talks about how when God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming that the Lord, the Lord is compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands of generations and forgiving the wickedness and rebellion of sin and so on. 
You see, we see no sooner than when Moses ascended the hill, the Lord descended in his presence, manifesting in a glory cloud. We see that God humbled himself to Moses' ability to recognize him. In other words, God humbled himself to those who are humble enough to walk alongside him. And actually Psalm 113 says, he is the God who stoops low and looks upon the heavens and the earth. And that's what the, 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 the picture of, of the manger of Jesus coming as a baby. But what I want to say for Moses, the reason God moved up for him as a cloud was to strike a sense of awe. Because God didn't want the familiarity, because remember this wasn't the first time that Moses had encountered God. That God did not want the familiarity that Moses was privileged to to breed a sense of contempt towards his presence. So God shifted so that Moses would have a sense of awe and wonder. And I believe one of the biggest reasons for us this season that we lose our sense of awe and wonder in our spiritual life is because we, it's because we become contempt and familiar with God's kingdom and his presence. That we allow ourselves to become so familiar, like it says, with the stories that we do not allow ourselves to be open to that fresh interjection. And all of a sudden, like I've said, our walk becomes so monotonous, so mundane, and actually lackluster at best, that we become comfortable going through the motions and settling for that life that is less than what God paid for. But this morning, we only have to ask that God will come, the Holy Spirit will come. You have to have a hunger and a desire within you personally to go, Lord, come and shake me. Come and dust off the cobwebs. Come and do a new thing in me. I'm open for you to come and freshly speak. Because like Moses and the Magi, awe, awe and wonder are the birthplace of humility, which is the beginning of fearing the Lord and entering into greater wisdom. Now we don't know what happened after the Magi and the story and how they went off. We're, we're not given insight into that information. But we do know that it was after an encounter with, with Christ that the word became flesh after an encounter with that and a divine dream to not go back to Herod, that they changed and went in a different direction. I don't know if you know, but that's the image of repentance right there. You see, ultimately, yes, it's God down to God's grace. And we acknowledge him for that, but we call upon him to say, God, come and do it in me again. We don't need to use mountains of presence, hours of Netflix, to try and strike up a sense of awe and wonder in our lives, which really was reserved for the presence of God. How many know, now not saying mountains of presence of, and, and Netflix, I mean, I'm not, you know, do that. But never let that take the place which actually was reserved for God. Because that just becomes an idol. And an idol in a short term is not just a wor worshiping statues. I don't care what faith background you came from. But idols is about placing anything that really should be in God's place in our lives. You see, the difference between a believer who's living life to the full and a believer who's living in the mundane, monotonous, is one continually seeks the spirit in all they do, while the other just settles through going through the motions. I want to ask you, which believer are you going to be today? This season, which believer are you going to strive to be? That when we believe We've seen all there is to God's kingdom. We allow the familiarity to ruin our sense of wonder. I want to invite the guys back up, just conscious of time.
this Christmas, we need to know, you need to know that the Holy Spirit is alive, he's active, and he's moving in your everyday lives. The Holy Spirit is alive, active, and moving in your life. You know, the Holy Spirit's moving in your business. Now, sometimes we need to slow down a bit in order for to actually catch what the Lord is doing. All we have to do is ask because the Father is a good Father who wants to give you good gifts. Sometimes, like the Magi, we need to move past what we think we know, become humble and heightened for our need to God to come and do a fresh interjection. So why don't you stand? And I'm going back to that very thing that you were reluctant to do at the beginning. And as we go into a time of worship, as we begin this Christmas season, as we begin to go through the motions and the Christmas church calendar, we don't need more schedule and stuff in the calendar. I mean, I hear you all saying that. Please don't be adding more, right? And I hear you all saying that. We need a fresh interjection of him in our lives. All of this, the twinkly lights, the soft falling snow, the fire, there's no point sitting in front of a warm fire if the fireplace in your heart is dead. There's no point looking for the, the comfort and peace of soft falling snow if you don't have peace in your heart. That we have to ask, we have to call that the Holy Spirit would interject. Now we don't know what that's going to look like. That's where you got to trust him that he knows the future. And so this morning, I just want you to pray as these guys begin to lead us on a song. After me, Father, I welcome you to come and to do a fresh interjection in my life. God, would you interject to redirect? Holy Spirit, for all of us this morning, Lord, we, we surrender control. God, we surrender control of our lives. Jesus, you came. God, we thank you that you, Emmanuel, God, with us. You're with us, now God, you lead us. And so Father, in this next season, we just, we just, we just speak your life. We speak your life by your Holy Spirit to come and to breathe life on the things in us that are dead, the things in us that are monotonous, the things in us that we have grown too familiar with. And Lord, we repent, repent of relying on our familiarity. And so this morning, Lord, would you lead us as a community, as individuals and as a church, into the new thing you have for us. That as we have childlike faith, Lord, I come right now and I pray, would you continue that we would be sensitive to discovering new things of who you are in your presence and your goodness and your kingdom, Lord. That God, our lives be redirected for your kingdom and for your glory. Father, we just pray would you come in your power that as we submit our hearts to you this morning that we would see and hear testimonies of your goodness in the land of the living Lord. So we pray would you come in your goodness and your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen.